Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Yes, indeed, my name is Mike Avery, and I love working with the good folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. I think they're doing a wonderful job in keeping an eye out for, oh, conservation issues, wildlife issues, uh, legislative, uh, the DNR, the NRC. We, you and I, can't be everywhere. We don't have access to these places, but the staff at MUCC does, and they're keeping an eye on things for us. MUCC seems like a huge organization, and it seems like they've got a bunch of people on staff, but the reality is they do a lot with very few people. All the MUCC staffers wear many, many hats. Amy Trotter, the deputy director, has been busy as can be lately, but I managed to get a few minutes of her time to join us on this edition of the podcast. And Amy, I do appreciate it. How are you? Very well, thanks. It has been a busy uh, last few months. Is is that just the time of year that you you see this every year about this time because of the uh, schedule, the uh, calendar? Yeah, so it's the legislative schedule right now that's keeping us the most busy, um, and in primarily because, um, for one, it's budget season and it's an election year, so a lot of these folks want to show results back in the district when they're heading back over the spring break and over the summer. Um, so they're they're pushing a lot of their uh, their bills that might be tied to a constituent interest um, now, you know, to make sure that they're lined up to achieve those um, by the time the elections come around. So give me a little look inside the workings of MUCC. How is the workload distributed? Are there, are there certain things that Dan Eichinger, executive director, send, uh, uh, tends to concentrate on? You, Amy Trotter, deputy director, certain areas you concentrate on. Are there a lot of overlaps or how does it all work? You know, uh, Dan and I tend to fly in tandem on a lot of things. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a brain trust when we uh, look at how we're going to tackle an issue. Um, occasionally, you know, just because we are only two people on our on our policy team, with uh, well, you do have an assistant to help us out as well as a, a lobbying firm that actually helps us, you know, connect our message to the legislators that need to hear it. But um, but Dan and I, you know, we. Uh, if you talk to either of us, tend to uh, um, probably run in the have the same answers that you know you'd get from either one of us. But um, we do have to specialize a little bit, um, and and it, it's really just on the fly in terms of which are subject matters. Um, he's really been handling the uh, the commercial fishing legislation. He does a lot of the Great Lakes work. He's actually right now in Washington D.C. Um, for Great Lakes Days, talking to our congressional delegation. Um, I've been handling a lot of the wildlife issues and um, lately uh, a a lot of things have come up here in the legislature so it's been keeping me very busy on a lot of different issues. Well and and I want to talk about some of those issues but I want to clarify a point. You say just uh, there there are two of you, you and Dan, that really work at the policy level. Um, I don't want people to get the impression that you and Dan are deciding policy for MUCC. You're you're making these these decisions based on the input of the membership, correct? That is correct. Thank you very much for that clarification. So we are a very much a grassroots organization. Um, what we what we work on and the positions that we take come from our members. But then it's it's really about 
two of us here in the office that carry out those positions gotcha. um, for the organization. But, you know, and it takes it takes more than just us. So, um, for example, you know, when we have an issue and uh, we need we need some uh, muscle behind it, that's when we're putting out those calls to action. So it's really all about our entire membership and getting these kinds of things done. Um, you know, we Dan and I can provide the kind of the the technical or legal language, you know, and and um, outline the strategy to get it done. But it, it really does take a, a team effort um, when it comes to uh, actually getting things across the finish line. So what are the issues you've been working on uh, lately, Amy? Um, well, first off um, is the um, managed land strategy. So a lot of people probably remember, if they have that long enough memory, uh, back in uh, 2011 and 2012, there was a bill signed the land, that introduced a land cap. So this is what said, um, you know, the state of Michigan shall not have more um, public land that ex- exceeds this this kind of arbitrary line um, that we had not yet reached. But um, it was really because there was an absence of a public land strategy. So we were kind of acquiring parcels. We were getting tax reversion lands. Um, we were allowing hunting and fishing. We were having state parks created, all of these things. But there was no overarching plan for managing this land and and having sort of a a strategic plan in where we're going to be acquiring things where we need more um, and what we should let go and would be better back on the private land tax rolls. Um, So in uh, 2012, that bill was signed into law. And um, over the course of a year, we, uh, we MUCC and a number of other organizations worked with the department um, to facilitate the uh, public uh, managed land strategy, um, which uh, was signed or well was approved by the department in 2013. Now, ultimately, in order to get rid of the land cap and adopt the strategy, it had to go back to the legislature. And unfortunately, that is what has um, kind of sat idle since 2013. So finally, after four and a half years now, um, we are at a point where we're on a really good trajectory, at least, to see maybe some bills adopted that uh, eliminate that land cap and um, adopt the strategy. There's a lot of other things in there. Some are good, some are bad. There's been a number of versions of bills over the last four years, which have all gone by the wayside because there was too much bad in there to overcome the good parts, um, unfortunately. So I think this time we might have a shot. Um, I felt really positive in committee this morning that, um, you know, we've got a, uh, a really good House Natural Resources chair in Gary Howell. Senator Casperson and Senator Boer um, are, are working very well with him as well to um, kind of combine an effort. And we have three bills now tie barred together that are, are forming this package that, um, it's not perfect, but, you know, I think it's definitely progress from where we've been. You talked about uh, in committee this morning, Amy, what's your access there in Lansing? Can you get into any any meeting on any conservation or wildlife-related issue? 
Uh, certainly, all of these legislative hearings are open to the public. Um, you can you can find out about them online. You can sign up to get notifications and things like that for certain bills you're watching or for um, just sort of the the natural resources and outdoor recreation related committees. Um, so they are open to the public. Um, there's not a lot of people that know about that. You can actually also a lot of times watch them online. So the House uh, has their own sort of online webcast. Um, as well as the Senate, and they um, they do publish uh, a webcast viewing schedule. So um, so there are times when you can actually watch it from the comfort of your own home as well. Well, the, uh, one of the reasons I bring it up, and this is an old issue, and I don't even know if there's anything new on it at this point, but I feel like with the commercial fishing issue on Saginaw Bay, I feel like a lot of those decisions were made behind closed doors and we the public and you as MUCC didn't get the opportunity to get involved in that at an early stage. Yeah, and I can give you a little bit of an update there. So ever ever since so uh, basically a, a draft of some legislation came out that was really worked on again as you said behind closed doors and not with the engagement of the sport fishing community. Um you know, we definitely made issue of that, <laughs> and um, and uh, Dan, uh, our executive director, has been the point person in our office, um, who really took a crack at rewriting the entire statute. Um, and he consulted with a lot of other sport fishing groups, so the uh, Steelhead and Salmon Fishermen's Association and um, uh, a lot of different organizations that have an interest in sport fishing. Um, but they uh, they really uh, put out there what they wanted to see um, rather than trying to make a bad bill better. Um, they wanted to be proactive and, and put forward um, their idea of what they thought reform could look like. Because they, that was the critical thing is that there does need to be some updates. Um, we couldn't just be uh, opposing what was put out there. We had to offer up what we wanted because we we fully recognize there needed to be some updates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is still in the drafting process, um, you know, because we can put all the words on paper, but it still has to be written by lawyers in the Legislative Service Bureau. So um, we have reviewed, we just received uh, very recently an updated draft on that. And we really like the, I think, the direction it's going. I think we're, it's, it's, again, not perfect, but it's definite progress. It's a lot of um, the the things that we would want to see in there, including the protection of game fish. So, well, that's good um, to hear. That's that, that, those were the big things, certainly. Um, so the, right now, um, you know, we feel pretty good about you know the, what the draft looks like. Now, in terms of process, that's what I don't know yet is kind of timeline and and how this would be moving forward. But um, you know, we are definitely liking what we're seeing on the paper. Well, it's good to hear we're moving the right direction there, and I know you folks at MUCC will be keeping an eye on this. By the way, this is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. If you want to learn more about MUCC, check out the website, MUCC.org, MUCC.org, or MichiganOutofDoors.com. On Facebook, the Facebook page is Facebook.com slash MUCC1937 and on Instagram at MUCC1937. We're talking with uh, Deputy Director Amy Trotter, uh, a rare break in her schedule. She's been so busy lately, and I appreciate your time, Amy. I want to bring up another issue. 
uh, sterilization. And I'm thinking primarily of deer sterilization, deer sterilization in Ann Arbor, but there are things in the works that could take it well beyond that city's boundaries. Yeah, so um, the the city of Ann Arbor was, of course, the first first foot in the door to uh, look at the issue of um, doing stir- surgical sterilization, removing the ovaries of deer, um, in order to control the population in their most urban neighborhoods. Um, but this is not a new idea around the country. There have been other cities that have tried various uh, mechanisms of this and almost always, you know, pushed and advocated for by the Humane Society of the United States. And as I'm sure all of your listeners know um, who they are and what their intent, which would be to uh, eliminate the need for hunting, you know, if we can if we can manage the wildlife in an alternative way. So um, Ann Arbor was the first city in the gate to try this under the guise of a research permit. And I'm sure that you've kind of uh, vetted that issue uh, quite a lot. But I guess in more recent update is um, there are other cities knocking at the door. And this is our biggest concern is, you know, how many other cities are going to want to try to use this um, research, you know, to uh, deal with deer in their area. Rochester Hills has come out. Um, very, very uh, surprisingly, I guess, um, in support of a sterilization. So we went uh, to the legislature and state representative Tristan Cole, who sponsored a bill that would ban the DNR from issuing permits for sterilization. Um, we just don't want this in our state was is really our approach. Um we we don't believe that i mean there's the the studies done in other states have shown that it doesn't work it's extremely costly it, you know we believe hunting to be the the primary and best tool for managing wildlife although we do accept that calling is sometimes necessary and what we really don't want to see is this jump to any other species so what would who would be able to stop it now if we have precedent of doing research on deer in Ann Arbor from doing sterilization research on wolves and then, uh, you know, again, preventing us from ever having an opportunity for doing state management as we've been working towards uh, for a great number of years. So um, so we are getting close. There's been about four subcommittee hearings. This bill has been moved to a subcommittee to get more in depth. Um, and there's been a lot of testimony. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a crack at it until just last week uh, f- to provide our own um, testimony from a hunter's perspective. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we've, we did just see a, a version of a, of a change that would be compromised language. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't outright ban all sterilization, but it would kick the can down the road and put a date certain that we wouldn't do anything for a while. Um, and until really the results came in from Ann Arbor and that um, the DNR would be in charge of sort of gathering the research and, and gathering the information as it comes out of Ann Arbor to present to the legislature. We would let the DNR gather that information and data rather than relying on HSUS to tell us how the project went, I hope. Right, and and that's been our concern all along. So it's actually white buffalo is the one that's doing the um, 
the combined sterilization and the culling sharpshooting effort in Ann Arbor. And who's to say a contractor paid for a service is not going to come out with a rosy report at the end of their contract? Sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's within their best interest to say that, um, you know, the research worked. Uh, So we definitely want the DNR to be the driver in interpreting the information that comes out of that. Um, The other thing the bill draft as it is right now, so this is all subject to change, but uh, an interesting take would be to, um, for urban areas that are experiencing um, issues with deer in their in their own local jurisdictions, you know, there might be a barrier, um, for example, of our safety zone requirements. Um, uh, certainly, it's a barrier if they have a discharge ordinance where you aren't even allowed to fire a gun in their in their jurisdiction, but um, if they've already addressed that issue, the safety zone might be another barrier. And um, what was been thrown out there, at least for talking uh, point, is could the local jurisdiction by ordinance allow a shrinking of that safety zone to facilitate a little bit more hunting in their in their um, urban environment? Hmm. So I thought that was interesting yeah. uh, as a as a compromise and and a you know a way to get the locals you know the the ability to address a local issue. But again, using the tool of, you know, hunters as sure. the primary managers. Uh, let me play devil's advocate. And I, I think deer sterilization is is ridiculous, and I'm not in support of it in any way, shape, or form. But didn't we just a few years ago through this go through this process of saying we want wildlife decisions to be made by professional wildlife managers? And if the professional wildlife managers said in that case that a research permit for deer sterilization was the best use of uh, resources, time, whatever, who are we as hunters and you as the as MUCC, who are we to come in and say, DNR, you made the wrong decision? Well, in, I have been asked that exact question multiple times in different ways. So <laughs> Probably I, some I, of them not very, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, from for our perspective, I mean, this is this is not just a Michigan thing. This is the North American model of wildlife conservation. You know, we're not the one that came up with that. Um, but it says, you know, that hunters are the are the you know, and are and should be the primary tool for managing wildlife. Um the DNR's own urban policy, urban deer management policy, says that sterilization and fertility control should not be used to manage wildlife. So they've already said that, but then they had a you know appendix that talked about the value of research. And so they already have stated the intent to not utilize fertiliza- uh, fertility control or sterilization as a method of management. So our perspective is what's the point in researching a tool that we never have intention to use? Gotcha. I mean, we could also research, you know, the ability of hand grenades as a method of take, but if we don't intend to use it out in the field, then what, you know, what is the value of the research? And um, our concern as well is, you know, everybody keeps saying how it's really the city of Ann Arbor that's funding this research. And so let them just waste their own money. But it, I could show you a two-foot stack of emails from the Department of Natural Resources who have commented on this research proposal and talked about it internally in a number of different ways over the course of months, probably over a year. 
Um, so the the suggestion that we haven't spent any of our game and fish dollars on this initiative is a false one. Um, they have spent time on this, and uh, and you know time is money, and that money is coming from hunters. So that's that's the concern for us. Let's change gears a little bit here and uh, talk about um, appropriations. I know you've been working on that. What exactly is that, and and, and why do we care? Uh, well, so for the last few years, it should be no news to anybody uh, that we've got a chronic wasting disease issue here in Michigan. Um, and now we're getting a little bit better idea of what is the scope of it. Um, you know, we've got 57 or so positives. Uh, the epicenter has really moved up to Montcalm County, North Kent, and in that area. Um, and, and we have a real challenge here in our state. So for the last two years, MUCC has led the fight to get more money to the D- Department of Natural Resources in order to um, have the funds available to to do the surveillance necessary, to do the testing necessary, to have check stations available, um, to be able to answer the questions of hunters and the public about what does this mean for our state. So we have led that charge, um, and we've gotten a million dollars as a supplemental um, one year, and last year it was a one-time appropriation, so I guess it's in this current year, it was a one-time $1 million appropriation. And unfortunately, we found that it's, it's bigger than was once thought when that when that appropriation went through this time last year. Um, so um, we were extremely pleased to see that in the governor's proposal for the next fiscal year, so 2019, um, he has recommended $2.6 million for wildlife disease. And this is general fund because our fear is that with this disease, with chronic wasting disease particularly, but it could be any wildlife disease, um, what ends up happening in the field is we're doing less habitat. We're doing less management. We're doing... um, we're not doing all of the things that we should be doing for all the species because we've dropped all of that to put out this fire of chronic wasting disease. So um, that's our concern about using all of our game and fish funds to fight uh, an issue that we don't yet know the scope sure. of. Um, so we've been really uh, proactive in, in trying to get that general fund appropriations. The governor agreed, thankfully, for this coming fiscal year. Um, but you know, the governor only proposes, and as the saying goes, the legislature disposes. So <laughs> the, the governor can propose a proposes his executive budget, and then it has to go through this appropriations process, which is long and arduous um, and is really just kicking off. So the governor's budget has been presented to the House and to the Senate. Um, we are going to be testifying in the House Natural Resources Appropriations Subcommittee, uh, on on how important this uh, general fund uh, uh, proposal w- is for for the state of Michigan and for hunters particularly. Um, so we are very much in support of having this money, additional money for for wildlife disease. And um, we're asking anybody um, that's interested to certainly uh, call their legislature and just sort of echo that we support general fund um, for wildlife disease. Well, and you said we, we don't we don't know the scope of CWD yet, but what we do know is it's not going away anytime soon. This is a long term problem and situation, isn't it? It is. It's it's a marathon and not a sprint, certainly. But 
the quicker we can get out there and again you know just like invasive species you know if we can uh, contain it and control it where we can um, preventing the spread is going to be you know uh, worth a lot of uh, headache and and certainly it's going to be worth you know preserving the future of deer hunting in this state um, if we can uh, do what we can to contain it to do the research necessary um, you know, or collaborate with other states or other agencies, whatever we need to do. But all of those things take funding. So that's where um, our efforts have been really with the re- regards to the chronic wasting disease at this point in time. Uh, Amy, all too often we talk about issues that are high profile, high priority, they got to be taken care of right now. And I, I think sometimes that some of the more, I'll call them more mundane, but I don't mean that in a negative sense, but I'm thinking like of OTG, the on the ground program. Um, I think sometimes that poor program takes a backseat to all the more uh, newsworthy immediacy problems that you guys are dealing with. Yeah, and um, our on-the-ground program, you know, getting out and doing um, what's a lot of, you know, it's small game habitat, small, you know, uh, we're we're creating rabbitat across the state. Um, But it's so critical because whenever you're talking about, you know, hunter recruitment and retention, everybody um, goes back to, well, you know, I started hunting rabbits. I went out and did pheasants. Um, You know, they always go back to that. And uh, so we need to be doing more of this kind of um, small game habitat uh, management. Um, Unfortunately, it takes time and effort and labor. And that's what is so critical about the on the ground um, program and what we can provide. So this is a little fun fact that we just found out about recently. Um, There's a, a wildlife management unit up in um, up in the Grayling area, I believe. And uh, we went to them and said, okay, so what kind of projects can we do here in 2018? And he went through his plan. You know, each year they have a work plan and a management plan for their area. And he said, actually, we've completed all the things that we had in the plan. <laughs> so <laughs> the on-the-ground program, uh, you know, has done enough up there that we we checked all the boxes off of his uh, to-do list Perfect. already. Wonderful. So um, it's an amazing accomplishment for our organization and, and for the on-the-ground program to be doing the work that the department has never been able to get to, or at least in the scope and the uh, timeline that they've wanted to. Um, so we're glad to be, you know, a part of giving back to the resource. We've got some upcoming events, so I just want to mention a couple of them. Sure. Um, Saturday, March 17th, we're going to be in the Dansville State Game Area uh, to do a wildlife habitat improvement project. We're going to be doing some hunter access trails and also building brush piles for habitat. Um, uh, so there are all, all of these things, too, are on our website um, in order to RSVP. On March 24th and 25th, we're working with the Heavy Equipment Response Coalition to offer a chainsaw safety training course uh, for all experience levels. And the importance of that is really just because we do use um, we do use chainsaws out on the on the public lands as, as part of these projects. And we just want to make sure that for anyone that does want to volunteer, you know, that they have the handling and the experience and training uh, necessary to go, go do that. It also provides a great uh, benefit if they own their own private land, too. So we that is free of charge, but RSVP uh, and registration is required. So that's March 24th and 25th. And then on Saturday, April 7th, we're going to be at the 
Keeler State Game Area, also doing uh, brush piles for Rabbitat. So these are just a few different um, opportunities that are happening all around the state. This is a really busy time for us for the OTG program um, because, you know, this is the time when the leaves are off and, and thankfully or uh, there's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are, are wanting to get outdoors again <laughs> after being cooped up all winter. So um, it's a great time for us. We've also got some OTG junior programs that we're going to be doing this spring. Um, so they are keeping busy, um, you know, doing, doing the good work of conservation all around the state. Well, I love to hear about those on-the-ground projects. You know, so many times in today's world, we look at things and say, well, it's a problem, but there's really nothing I can do about it. Well, on the ground, there is something you can do about it. It gives you a chance to get uh, directly and physically involved in improving wildlife habitat. That's a pretty honorable goal, Amy. Mm-hmm. And, and you get a free T-shirt and a free lunch. <laughs> there you go. Deal, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Amy, I know you got to get back to... Uh, I was going to say back to work, but this is part of your work as well. But I know you got to get back to some other things. I do appreciate you joining us. Again, this is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. You can learn more about MUCC at the website MUCC.org, MichiganOutofDoors.com, on Facebook, Facebook.com, slash MUCC1937, and on Instagram at MUCC1937. Once again, we thank uh, Deputy Director Amy Trotter for joining us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. 